Hi, I'm Princess Rara. And I'm Dara, the Electro Khaleesi. And this is Pink Kink, the podcast where we talk about the pretty, twisted side of kink. Today's episode is produced by our electrifying pink kinksters, the ESW, Jay, Tempest, Brianna Lynn, Daddy J, Fabe, Embers, William P, Lady, Claire, Mr. N and Mrs. Jess, Mistress Good Girl, Lady Blooding, Gardener, Daddy Longlegs, Cassie, Primal Empress, Kaze, Clockwork, Baby Girl, Harley Gentleman, Mistress Francesca, Slut Queenie, Alice Dash, Sea Dog, and Butte Pain. Pink Kink runs off the generosity of our devoted patrons. As a patron, you will become a member of our special Discord server, receive some adorable Pink Kink stickers, as well as have access to a monthly behind-the-scenes podcast. In addition, our impactful and electrifying Pink Kinksters get special audio and video episodes. And finally, patrons at our highest tier will be recognized as producers, both here on the podcast and on our website. If you would like to become a patron, you can visit us at patreon.com slash pinkkinkpodcast or click the link at pinkkinkpodcast.com. All right, so Dara, I have asked today to speak with one of the amazing TikTokers that I follow because she has started a hashtag that I love and thought would be really, really appropriate for this episode. And that is hashtag disabled and kinky AF. Oh, the AF. I was going to say that sounds like the title of our episode, but then when you throw the AF in it. Well, I think I I love the idea so much. I think I'm going to title the episode if it's okay with Gothic here. I want to title the episode hashtag disabled and kinky AF. Go for it. So anyway, I should now say her name, Gothic Metalhead. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> that, that helps. That helps. <laughs> I do this all the time because I talk to people I know. And so I just mm. forget that I have to say all this stuff. Sorry. Yeah. She's not very good at introducing. I know I'm not. I'm, no I'm better at the talking <laughs> than introducing. So yeah. let's, yeah. let's start Gothic with the basic necessities here of your experience in kink. Mm-hmm. And if you don't mind sharing your disabilities. Okay. Well, can I start with when I discovered kink and how I discovered it and all that Absolutely. stuff? Absolutely. Start from the okay. beginning. So I discovered kink through Fifty Shades of Grey. The reading. Thank you. Thank you. Me too. I love yeah, you I, more I, already. I discovered it. Like I'm a natural submissive, so I always had this 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 mindset of being a submissive in a relationship and being subservient. But when I discovered the reading material of Fifty Shades of Grey, it clicked because I identified with Anna a lot in the book. Mm-hmm. And, and how she was and stuff like that. So I really uh, hung on to that um, in the books, her, uh, me aden- identifying with Anna. And so uh, I've been in the lifestyle almost a decade. It'll be a decade in March. And that that's how my journey began. I started doing a whole bunch of research, getting on FetLife, meeting people, you know, talking to people on there and stuff like that. And then, you know, joining Facebook groups and stuff like that about getting education and and just, you know, joining these kink discussion groups on different platforms and just getting myself out there, getting to know the material. And I'm a sucker for research. So I've done so much research. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm a sucker for research. I, I Google everything. I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, yeah, that that's where it began and continues to be at, you know, doing research, asking questions, getting mentored and, and, and training and stuff like that. Awesome. All right. And then so, again, if you don't mind sharing what your disabilities are. My disability is spina bifida. I have L3 spina bifida. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, yeah. I know, obviously, it's going to affect your ability to do kink. One of the things that I've seen you do on TikTok, which is amazing, you have did, a, I think, a whole series on kneeling positions and how to accommodate. Yeah, adaptive, um, su- submissive poses. Yeah. All right. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and what made you decide to do that and what people well, can I- do? Well, I'm trained in high protocol and that's where I'm most comfortable in my submission when it comes to, to the levels of submission. I'm high protocol. So I find peace and happiness in protocol. And so when I do those poses, it's kind of like meditative for me and it gets me into a calming state. And especially like if I'm stressed about something or I had a bad day, I will just do those poses and, and feel good and feel better. A lot of people, uh, not a lot of people, but a couple of people on TikTok were doing high protocol for able-bodied people on on, uh, TikTok. And, you know, and I asked, I'm like, would would you mind, you know, if I adapted these poses? And they was like, go ahead, sure. And so I started adapting these poses and doing them on my page. And a lot of people responded to them. I didn't didn't think they would get much of attention or, or any, you know, positive feedback because they were different. And so a lot of people was like, I have a bad knee, I have a bad back, or I have this or have that. And they was like, I really appreciate you doing these poses because I've been trying to figure out how to adapt poses for the longest time. And, you know. Yeah, I've had conversations. I I remember one in particular with a woman who had knee problems and had difficulty in the poses. And But she had gotten it stuck in her head that if she didn't do the original actual pose, somehow it wasn't as submissive as adaptive poses. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 you do get into that mindset because, you know, you see what is represented in the lifestyle on media and social media. So you think to yourself, if I can't do it like that person or that person, I'm doing it wrong. But people need to realize kink is customizable. Kink is an individual thing. It, you customize it how you want to do this lifestyle. So you do not need to be an able-bodied person to do kink. So like, For example, a person who can't kneel because of knee issues may uh, instead mostly sit on their hip and kind of tuck sideways Mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Can you you give an example of of something you might do? I would just sit like um, crisscross on the floor and have my have my um, body just really stiff and straight when I'm doing the poses, because it's a really stiff structure when doing the poses, you know, it can't be sloppy, it can't be, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect, but I prefer it to be perfect in the adaptive pose I'm doing. So I'll crisscross my legs, and then I will do the pose that I'm trying to accomplish in a crisscross position, because that's where I'm most comfortable. I was going to say, so for you, it'd be more about balance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you feel that uh, as a disabled person, you're treated differently? Like overall, just or within kink, within kink, within kink, yeah, yeah. There, because a lot of people don't know how to play with someone that has that needs certain things to be adapted and changed and modified. You know, a lot of people are playing with able-bodied partners their whole entire kink experience, so they don't know how to incorporate something that is done for an able-bodied person for a disabled or physically challenged person. And so it is, it is hard. It is, it is hard because um. 
I always get the questions like, am I able to perform sex or am I able to have sex or do I have feeling down there? Like I've gotten some of the most craziest questions <laughs> to that stuff. It's like, what? Rude. Down there? Of course I can feel down there. I'm not paralyzed from hips down. I'm paralyzed from below the knee down. <laughs> so it's like, of course I can feel, feel my part, people. <laughs> wow. Like I feel, that is just rude. Yeah. One of the things that we just recently learned is that there are, it's a fetish for some people to be with somebody who's disabled. Have you run into any of that? I've been fetishized many times. I've never, and I always get this line, I've never been with a woman in a wheelchair and I heard you guys were freaks. Like what? Seriously? Seriously, that's your opening line to this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so, like, um, no. No, like I am a freak. Don't get me wrong, but like <laughs> I mean, you're in the BDSM lifestyle. You're kind of a freak. Not, not right? because I'm disabled. It's because <laughs> I like what I like. I like being choked. I like being bitten. I like all this stuff. But that's not because of my wheelchair. <laughs> oh my god, people are interesting. <laughs> that's yeah. one word for it. Yeah, yeah. I was so being polite. How do you how do you deal with something like that? I just try to educate as best as I can. You know, first I'm offended about it, but then I just chalk it up to ignorance. Yeah, there's a lot of that going around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could, yeah. Yeah. Let's a leave that. that. Um, have you run into problems with accessibility? Uh, at have, have you been to the public dungeons and stuff? I have not yeah. had the pleasure of going to any kink events or dungeons or anything like that, only because I've been discouraged. And that's due to the fact I'll reach out to like monthly years and stuff like that. And they'll say that they're not like their events are not ADA compliant or, or wheelchair accessible. And it's like, then I can't go at a restaurant. No, like I haven't even came across like munches that held at restaurants and stuff like that. Like I'm saying like a general event or, or a dungeon or a play party. It's like none of that stuff is accessible. Like I've talked to people that have gone to judges in public spaces for kink. And it's like, yeah, there's like a lot of stairs or small door frames and small rooms. And like, it's not accessible. Wow. That's so. I, yeah. I mean, I know we've got here. Public dungeons and private dungeons. Our public dungeons, our two public dungeons, I know are accessible. They yeah, they have, have ramps. Well, they have the the Baltimore Playhouse has a ramp because it's raised a little bit. Crucible is ground level, mm -hmm. so it, it's not really an issue for them. And so I'm sort of shocked that at least public places are not more yeah. accessible. I know for those of us who have private dungeons, my private dungeon would not be accessible. It there's stairs leading up to my front door. And then mm -hmm. my, my dungeon is in my basement. There's a whole host of stairs, like f almost 15 stairs. I mean, it's a townhouse leading down into the dungeon. Yeah, so I'm in a townhouse too. I'm in a townhouse too. And I live on the downstairs level. Yeah. I mean, we do have, I did have an instance and I shared this story earlier about a woman who had, um, I guess she'd had her legs amputated. So she did have prosthetics, but she took them off to go down the stairs and just bump down on her butt. And when she got down to the bottom of the stairs, put the prosthetics on. I yeah. think that's so badass. That's so cool. I mean, I, 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 I loved it because she really to. wanted to take the class. So I was yeah, glad. I have to up some stairs if I have to, but it's just, it's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of work. <laughs> what would you, what do you say to people who tell you that? Like, no, it's not accessible. Do you just go just with it, it or? I just leave it alone. I, I don't pursue it because... They, they give off like an attitude, like, 
it's going to be too much work to adapt it or to make it accessible. So they give off that, you know, it's we live in a very ableist society. People don't think about people that are disabled and where they can go and how we can how they can act, uh, make this more accessible for people like me with physical challenges and stuff like that. So I just leave it alone. Yeah. yeah. So you haven't you haven't had the ability to like try out certain pieces of equipment like St. Andrew's Cross or no, no. Convention and stuff. I, I can, as long as it doesn't require me standing up, I can do, pretty much do it. Yeah, I think that's part of the problem is is that able body people get it in their heads what you can and cannot do without asking you what mm-hmm. you can and cannot do. Yeah, they don't ask, they assume. So how how could someone phrase it that would not be horribly offensive because I feel like everything that because the way you were talking earlier like, "Oh, I heard you guys are freaks." I mean, like that's that's like I'd be like, "No, dude, get out." <laughs> I don't get offended easy because this is my life. I I was born in a wheelchair, so I'm used to so many kind of crazy questions. I don't really get offended about any kind of question anymore. So it doesn't matter how you phrase as long as you come. If you come to me with respect and your honest, you know, curiosity and you're genuinely wanting to know, I don't care how you phrase. As long as you show me respect, I'm going to answer it with respect. Okay. All right. Uh, can you tell us kind of the story behind the hashtag disabled and kinky AF? What inspired you? to sort of start that movement, I guess, or <laughs> I've been using that, t- uh, that hashtag since I've been in the lifestyle, um, being a proud disabled kinkster. I, I, I seen it somewhere. I don't remember where I seen it, but I didn't see it, it as a hashtag. I just seen it as kind of like a meme or something like that. I'm like, I'm totally going to use that. I'm going to use that. And it was so long ago. I don't remember where I saw it. I think it was on Tumblr, but, um, yeah, I, I decided I'm like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to make that into a hashtag and I've used it ever since. And it's something that a lot of people in the lifestyle, especially here on uh, on TikTok, um, a lot of people like it and have used it. Even if they're like able body presenting, they have like conditions where they are, you know, technically disabled. So they even use the hashtag like I check on the hashtag and it has so many views. I'm like, wow. I wasn't expecting, I wasn't expecting people to use it, uh, spread it around, like support it. Like I, I really appreciate all the love and support it, it has gotten. And I'm glad it's catchy. <laughs> okay. So are you, do you think that it should only be used for people who are like more like you, who have like an actual condition, disability diagnosed and all of that, or somebody who just may need accommodations for like a physical impairment for a bit? It doesn't matter if you're if if you're using it because you have a broken leg and you're into kink, you can use it. Okay, no gatekeeping here. I'm I'm not going to gatekeep a disability hashtag. I'm not going to gatekeep a disability hashtag. Anyone could use it. Like even a lot of my uh, mutuals that are physically able will use and support that hashtag. You know, if they're mentioning me in a comment, I mean in a video or something, they'll say, "Hey, this is her hashtag. Go check her out and stuff like that." They'll direct them to my page and the hashtag and stuff. So even if you're like a supporter you can use it you know yeah i mean one of the things that i've i've discovered being in the kink now at this point is how many people have more of what i would call invisible disabilities yes. yeah you know, i mean yours is obvious we can look at you you're in your wheelchair we know yeah but there are a lot of people i mean i know several friends in our group who have fibromyalgia mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. obviously affects affects them even anxiety in a way yeah can can affect your ability within kink depending on how severe it is absolutely absolutely yeah. yeah 
So that that's sort of, you know, one of the main reasons we wanted to do this is I don't think those of us who are able, able-bodied appreciate as much the accommodations that need to be made, the the struggles that you might be running into as far as, I mean, the fact that you can't go to events because they're not accessible is, if you ask me, just wrong. I mean, I get it at a private home, but public places, yeah. there's no reason those should not be accessible to you. Yeah. All public places should be ADA compliant, but they're not. Oh, yeah. They're not. Yeah, and, and we were talking about we've only got the two. There used to be a couple more, but we're down to two public ones in the area. And I, I'm not sure, like, I haven't actually looked it up to see that they're completely compliant. Mm-hmm. But from what I remember, they're pretty accessible. Well, yeah. I know the Baltimore Playhouse actually, cause it, there, there are two levels at Baltimore Playhouse. The first level is all the main places. And then the bathroom were upstairs and it's been within and before COVID. Um, they finally added an entire bathroom downstairs. Mm-hmm. So oh. that they could be accommodating those That's who awesome. cannot go up the stairs. That's awesome. so they have an entire bathroom downstairs. Um, while crucible is just one main level. So the bathrooms were always, and I know their, their bathrooms are co-ed, yeah. which is great. I did. I and noticed that the last time I was there. We all have our like... issues is the same damn bathroom. They do have one of the stalls <laughs> is, mm-hmm. is marked as handicapped. It is a bigger, wider stall that would obviously be yeah. wheelchair accessible. And that's the one that I went into to change because it was me and my friend and we're both trying to like get each other into our outfits, which needed mm-hmm. assistance. And uh, we had to choose the bigger one because we just had stuff everywhere. And yeah. I feel kind of bad doing that because if somebody yeah. who needs the bathroom in a wheelchair had to wait, they didn't. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever seen anybody in a I'm trying to think that I've, I've only seen actually somebody at Baltimore Playhouse once in a wheelchair. And I don't, I hope it's not because people who are disabled are afraid to go to these places. Mm-hmm. They might, they might have anxieties about it. They might have their fears about it. I have my own fears cause I don't drive. So it's like, I would need someone to pick me up, drop me off and stuff like that. And I have a rigid frame wheelchair means that it doesn't fold up completely. So I need someone with a big enough car to take me and bring me home and a whole bunch of stuff. So it, it, there's a lot of factors as to why I don't go to events. Also, because I have social anxiety. I don't like crowds. I don't like being around people for long periods of time. I get really anxious and, and, and claustrophobic. So that's a good enough reason not to go. Yeah. See, I yeah. never thought about things like the driving and the wheelchair not folding and, and all the little minor details that do make it more difficult. Yeah, yeah. And especially because so I don't really have any in-person in kinky friends. You know, I'm the only kinkster in, in, in my life that I know, aside from being online and TikTok and stuff. That sucks. Yeah. I, I can't imagine being alone in that way. I mean, what advice would you give to somebody who's disabled and interested in kink, but is worried that they might not be able to do it because of their disabilities? I don't really limit myself because of my disabilities. So my advice is don't limit yourself. Do what makes you happy. Do it because you want to do it. And there, I can't say don't be scared. Don't be anxious about it because I get scared and anxious about it. But it's like you have to, to be willing to accept that there is going to be some ableism in kink because there is ableism in kink. There is, there's a lot of fetishizing uh, people that, have disabilities and kinks so there is going to be some hardships but don't 
stop being who you are or, or who you want to be because of your physical or mental or emotional disabilities. Okay. Great advice. Definitely. So any, any kind of last words? Um, nope. I, I really enjoyed talking with you guys and, and, and I enjoyed the questions and all this. This is pretty cool. This was, this was fun. Yeah. And I appreciate your talking to us about this, being so open and honest and basically inspiring us because I'm really looking at things a different way now. And that's always a good thing. Yeah. She also yeah. is really appreciative of letting us use her hashtag for the title. Oh, yeah. yeah of she's course. Just sitting here going, oh, my God, I really want to use I, that. I like hashtags. <laughs> yeah, I like hashtags too. I and like the hashtag too. says it all because that's perfect. Oh, it's absolutely. It's fantastic. <laughs> we we might do, can we use like the full word or do we have to use AF? I think we need to use AF because that's the hashtag. Oh, well, yeah, that's you can, true. You can say the actual word because I do when I, when I, when I say the word disability, uh, disabled and kicky as fuck, that, that's, that's right. the thing. It's just, but, I short, it's shortened for the hashtag. Right. And especially in the title, because it's going to appear on different places. I don't know that Apple would like us using the word fuck in the title. They're right. okay with us using kinky. There's a difference between kinky and fuck. Kinky is not a curse word. Semantics. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, well, as I've learned this past week, semantics is important sometimes. <laughs> uh-huh. I do actually have some more to say, though. Yes. Floor is yours, my yeah. love. Um. My thing about kink, though, is I, it's more mental and emotional for me. It's not physical. So I don't really care about the physical aspects of the lifestyle. I care about the connection, the bond between a D-type and an S-type. That That's where I am because I'm also a demisexual and a asexual. So it's like I, I really don't have that that sexual interest in kink. I have the intellect interest in kink. So what kind of things do you do with a dom? What do you mean? Well, because you talk about it's the it's the intellectual, it's the mind aspect of the DS versus mm-hmm. the physical. Yeah. So for me, what I like and enjoy most in a dynamic is the structure, the rules, the tasks, the 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 planning out my day for me, so I don't have to do it myself. Um, making sure I mm-hmm. I eat, making sure I take my medications, making sure I'm uh, taking care of my health and my mental health and my physical health and and stuff like that. That that's what what helps me be a better person and a better submissive is when someone takes that initiative and says, "Hey, did you do this today? Hey, can you do this for me?" Like I and I also love like writing assign writing assignments and research assignments. Like, hey, do you know about this? You should maybe research it and do a paper for me. You know, I like that type of thing in a dynamic and of course i love the sexual and physical aspects of it but that's not my priority in a dynamic it's the connecting with each other it's what can i do for you um what, what if it comes because i'm also a service submissive i'm a service submissive so I, I enjoy cooking and cleaning and doing you know the folding the laundry the ironing and all that type of stuff so i'm very service submissive so you're looking for more of a caregiver that's what I usually associate that whole, you need to do this. You need to take care of this. Um, make sure you do your medications, that kind of thing. Well, I'm also a little too. So I, I'm, yeah, I, I you am, just made I, her day. Go yeah, littles. I'm a, little, I'm a little too. I'm a little service submissive masochist, primal prey and pup. I love it. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of good stuff wrapped up in one cute package there. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. So what, what age range would you say you are as a little? 
Three. Just three? I'm three. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Because I'm three to six, depending on my mood for the day. Yeah. Or minute. Yeah. Minute. I, I minute. would say I, my age range is that two, three to six, depending on my mood. Mm-hmm. Definitely. What I like to say is I'm old enough. I'm old enough to be potty trained, but I'm I'm too young to cross the street by myself. Exactly. Exactly. That's I like that. I like that. <laughs> I just feel it too. It's crazy too because my little space is unique. My little space is unique. Like I'm a horror nerd, so I incorporate my interest in horror into my little space, and so I have um, horror stuffies and stuff like oh, that. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and so, yeah, um, I- I'm also gothic, of course, gothic metalhead. So I'm I'm into the darker side of uh, you know, my aesthetic when it comes to little space and stuff like that. So, so what's super funny about that is I used to be gothic. Hmm. I, uh, I'm older than you. So I, I sort of ex- branched out and I'm wearing colors now. And my mom is super happy, but, um, <laughs> I, I went from probably if I had known what being a little was back in the day, I probably would have been right where you're at. But now I'm like my little ponies and, um, coloring books and Disney. I've always been Disney. Yeah, I'm a Disney nerd. I'm a Disney nerd. I love Disney. I love her. Between her, her and Disney, I think, for me. I think we're allowed to keep her. Can we keep you? Of course, of course. I like her. I told yeah. you she was awesome. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm seeing Slipknot again for uh, in October 30th. I'm so excited because awesome. I just seen them. I just seen them at Rocklahoma on the fourth of this month. So getting to see Slipknot twice in one year is epic. Mm-hmm, I agree. I um, okay. This is where I have to admit I don't know what the hell Slipknot is, and I'm going to shove myself out the door. It's a band. It's a it's a heavy metal band that's been out since 1999. Okay, you guys are gothic and into all that stuff, and I was always the pop princess. So She's a cheerleader. I was a cheerleader. Yep. So you and I would have been best friends in high school, and we would have been looking at her, going, "What the." F- Okay, but I was friends with everybody. I, I, I was also a cheerleader too, though. So thank you. See, <laughs> I did so many things. Like I, I went to junior prom. I went to senior ball. I went to every school dance possible, and I was the I only did all one that too. At, the, all the, at those dances, I just Everyone. wore blood red doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. um, do you like horror movies? Um. Wait, her or me? I don't. Me. Um, yes and no. I'm I'm pretty picky about my horror genres. So like Freddy Krueger does nothing for me. Mm-hmm. I know I just I just picked on you a little bit there. It's okay. It's okay. No, not okay. everybody likes slasher horror, so it's okay. It's it's not the slasher part so of it. So it's my horror is not your horror and that's okay. Yeah. Like she can have her own thing. Exactly. I I actually and this is going to sound really weird. Um I adore demonic possession movies. Paranormal okay. Movies? Huh? Paranormal movies? Yeah. That, no, that- not even. It's it's only demonic possession when it comes to horror. Like The Exorcist? Ghost- yes. So yeah, ghost that's stories- paranormal horror. They're, they're, yeah, the ghost stories horror. do nothing. Like yeah. The Ring mm. did nothing. Yeah. I was like, yeah, eh? I don't really consider that a ghost story, though. When I think about paranormal uh, horror is when it's demonic possession or paranormal activity or the exorcist or yes. uh, the conjuring and stuff like that. That's yes. paranormal horror to me. Okay. 
Um, the exorcism of the exorcism of Emily Rose is probably one of my all time favorites, and it did not get the the hype that it deserved. Right. <laughs> See, I think I was. I saw it was like Friday. It was like Halloween was a Friday night. Yeah. This was when I was in probably middle school, and we had a sleepover at a friend's house, and we watched ho- the movie Halloween because I'm that old. It was new, and. <laughs> And Carrie on the same night. I love Carrie. And I have I been tormented ever since. I love Carrie. I've, I've, had had classic. I've had fantasies where I am Carrie. Oh my God, no. Even as much as I love blood play, no thank you. That would be my one exception. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah, I-, I love knife play, but breaking skin, mm-mm. No. Oh my God. Okay, I don't... I. Totally okay with breaking skin, but not, not with knives. My knife yeah. play should never break skin. I like, yeah. I know, she's looking at me like a straight. Spiked paddles. Give me a spiked paddle. Yeah. Any day. Every day. I don't get it. I know. I don't get it. I don't get your love of... Oh, of, oh that's pretty. Ooh, what is that? That Thank is you. pretty. All it needs is spikes on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't look at me like that. Look, I can. I'm a masochist, so I get it. I'm a masochist, so I get it. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, on that note, now that we've just completely gone off topic, as we always do, so far off the top, but that's okay. fine. Where can people can people reach out and find you? What is your give your official TikTok label My there? So TikTok is Gothic Metalhead ninety three, but between Gothic and Metalhead, there's an underscore. There's a gothic metalhead underscore 93. No, no, no. Gothic, no, gothic underscore, underscore metalhead. metalhead 93. Oh, gotcha. All right. Sorry about yeah. that. And that's on Instagram and TikTok. All right. Great. And, and we've already decided we're keeping you. So, yes, so we're going to say goodbye now. So that for our listeners, but not goodbye to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. So great talking to you. I'm going to continue after I'm done recording. Okay. So, Dara, I am very excited about our guest right now, the beautiful, delightful Miss Kitty Lash, who has experience with being disabled and kinky. Hello, Miss Kitty. Hello, lovelies. <laughs> I, I, I'm just, I'm going to sit here I know. and drool over the accent. The yeah, I know. You, and, you and, and the audio, audio file, is that the right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so my voice has an effect on people. Sometimes. It's really nice. <laughs> Us Americans are just crazy about accents from places other than America. Pretty basically, yeah, just any other accent is better. <laughs> Except for there, Rara's New York accent. There are some American accents that get me. Oh, which well. ones? Certain parts of Louisiana, uh, which is weird for nope, me. No, I get it. Yeah, it's smooth. <laughs> we um we have a friend who's actually from Savannah, Georgia. And when she lets her accent come out, I just drool. My husband more than me. He loves it. Yeah, I live just south of Atlanta. So I know what you mean. It's very nice. Dara likes us to always start off with the basics. I'm going to blame this on Dara here. That's what I do. And You made me spit coffee through my nose. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Start off with basically your background. Why are you qualified to talk to us today? I mean, I know why, but Dara would like to know too. Well, the audience <laughs> would like to know. 
Well, qualified, there is no uh, kink university. But I have uh, been around the kink community both sides of the pond since I was 18, probably got into it a little younger than I should have, honestly. I think some of us can agree that we all did that. I have taught basic BDSM, BDSM 101 and BDSM for disabilities, uh, mostly at university and some online and at other dungeons and clubs around the country. I am disabled. Would would you mind explaining what exactly those dis- that disability is? Yeah, no, I have no problem. I am an open book. So when I was a child, I had a lot of immune issues. I was fairly healthy, but my body doesn't fight infection. So a cold could put me in intensive care for six months. I still have a lot of sensitivity to uh, fighting infections. So as you can imagine, with uh, global events right now, life is great. <laughs> That's right. sarcasm. Um, so I have something called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. I also have rheumatoid arthritis and a wonderful spine issue, which puts me in a wheelchair sometimes, less so now, thanks to five years of spinal rehab. Um, and then just to top it off with a little bit of icing, I also have ADHD and a touch of autism. There you go. You have you, you just have a whole soup going here. Oh, I signed up for like the full package. <laughs> well, can you sign yourself back out? Because that well, seems like see, a lot. I I tried, but there's there's like a no refund policy apparently. <laughs> um, it seems like when I was born, I guess they were giving out immune systems, and maybe I was in line for the bar instead. So I kind of got what was left over. I love your sense of humor. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so I do have a question. Yes. I'm, I'm questioning your qualifications. <laughs> okay. Go for it. How the hell does one teach disabilities and BDSM at a university? So in England, we have student societies. So in the... LGB society as it was then. We were campaigning for tea and we did eventually get it in my last year of university. Uh, Obviously, it's a lot larger now, but it wasn't then. Um, So the queer community was very open-minded and the only one that was open-minded. So there were organizations like SM Dykes, like that, that would get involved. So we had a lot of interest in kink. And where I was at university in Bristol, we had a very active sort of local fetish scene. So we had a fetish market and a fetish party every month in our city. Um, and a city a couple of hours away was the week after. And then if we wanted to go to London, it was the week after and the week before. Um, so I think the kink community in younger generations in England is a lot more um, available than it, it seems to be over here, but I don't know because I'm 39 now, so I'm a little older. But yeah, it was just always around. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, we're real. We're prudes over here in the United States. <laughs> yeah, not so much. It was a big class as well. I was like, I just thought, oh, you know, we'll sit around the bar and do whatever. But I think we had like 55 people. And I know for you Americans, especially in New England, that is tiny. But for someone at university, uh, you know, 19, 20 years old, because I was a year behind due to health issues, it was horrifying. I Yeah, no, I believe you. Yeah. Thank goodness that one of my uh, sort of scene mentors was about. But that's yeah, that's really that's cool. Me. Yeah. So obviously, you talked about how you sometimes need a wheelchair. So mm-hmm. your your disabilities have 
have an impact on your ability to do kink. How do you work around that? Like what kind of what kind of problems have you discovered and what kind of accommodations have you made? Well, firstly, uh, so I used to be in a wheelchair a lot more uh, sort of five years ago um, before I completed spine rehab. And it was really, really frustrating because I was a very active person um, and kind of having that taken away. And for me, it was almost overnight. I'd always had joint pain and everything, but because of the medication that I'm on for my other things, doctors kind of fobbed it off. They're like, well, what do you expect? You know, you're going to get arthritis. You knew this with the amount of prednisone you're on or prednisolone for Brits. And they just fobbed it off. And one day I couldn't get out of bed. And I refused to leave my doctor's office until I was in an MRI. Um, so from that point on, I was in the wheelchair most of the time, especially if I was going out because I just wasn't stable on my legs. Um, but the biggest thing for me, I'm a, I'm a dom, was, and I love impact play, was relearning to throw whips. It was very hard. I hit my face multiple times. Oh, uh, yeah. Ouch. It was like learning. When we think of dominant, right, it doesn't matter how, how we are. Often we think as tall, strong, sort of fierce, masculine, right? Mm-hmm. We want to admit that we love female doms. I am one. But in general, society views dominant as strength. So, it, in, And that's how I had kind of grown up. You must be strong, intimidating. So for me, I had to sort of refine my dominance, and realize that there were other things that I could utilize to get my point across when I couldn't exactly back someone up against a wall. I used to, you know, going from someone who did full body impact scenes, throwing someone around a room for fun, because it's great and I still enjoy it on days I can, to being in a wheelchair, unable to do that. So how, how much did that just like hurt you emotionally? to have some of that taken away? So I had a lot taken away uh, because I used to also do a lot of other physical activities um, that I couldn't do it. And I will admit for about six months, uh, there were seldom weeks where I didn't throw myself a pity party. (laughs) But luckily, uh, you know, I have, I don't like being fussed over. A lot of people who have chronic illnesses or physical disabilities, we're kind of the same mentality, don't fuss over us. So luckily, my friends called, sort of just let me work through it. And when I was able to sort of realize that I didn't need to be strong to be dominant and to be able to do these great scenes, one word can carry just as much weight as me pushing someone against the wall. You know, it's tone, atmosphere, setting, things like that are way more important. I used to always sort of dress to go to the dungeon, you know, put on heels and corset and everything. These days, if you see me at the dungeon, most of the time, and I'm sure some people have actually, um, I know some of your listeners have come to the dungeon with me, uh, they may have seen me in leggings and trainers and just a black t-shirt. Because I learned that dominance, while atmosphere is important for pro-dom clients, for like everyday play partners and dynamics and stuff. It's not. It's about the mindset that you can put them in and you can do that without physical strength. Man, that's so interesting. So you do a lot more like mindfuck stuff now? Oh, very much so. I found psychological kink. Uh, Yes, very much. Um, Now, I am not always in the wheelchair now. In fact, I, I seldom have to use it, thankfully. 
But my kink, because of that experience, has completely expanded in terms of I don't always have to rely on restraints. I don't always have to rely on strength. I can utilize language and voice and tone and just little things. Do you find that, especially as a dominant, Mm -hmm. that your disabilities impact how others look at you? Do you have more difficulty finding submissives? Uh, Okay, so no, I don't have difficulty finding submissives. Thankfully, I have a like a a reasonable reputation locally here in in Atlanta. Um, Like most people will mention, they may not know my name, but they're like, ah, the British chick? Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the issue I had was a lot of people fetishize us, right? So there is a group called like devotees. These are people who enjoy seeing disabled people do sexual acts or whatever you know they will message I get a lot of people and I get it on dating sites as well I'm very open about hey sometimes I have to use my leg braces or you know I have mobility aids I had to remove all of that and just put like I just if I'm having a conversation with someone I will now mention it early because my inbox on you know bumble and whatever was just flooding with people like do you have pictures of you in your leg braces can I have some alone time with your wheelchair? I mm. had no idea this existed. Goodness it's a gracious. Huge, it's a huge issue. Uh, people with disabilities are heavily fetishized in uh, BDSM. Um, and I, I'm sure I'm not alone uh, in this at all. I, I actually, I heard the term devotees once before. Yeah. Uh, it was from Dexter. <laughs> the the show, show Dexter. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. How does that make you feel to be fetishized like that? I get actually quite uncomfortable with it. Like, I'm all for admiration. I love body worship and things like that. But it's on my terms. <laughs> so when someone's just, especially uh, like on a vanilla dating website, essentially, yes, I do say, you know, I'm not vanilla in my profile. Um, it sort of sideswipes you a little bit. It doesn't make you feel good because it makes you feel to them your disability is the your only attribute. So for me, something I've kind of been fighting against for my entire life is the only thing that makes me attractive to that particular person is is weird to me. And I really did struggle with that. I can understand bottoms and submissives enjoying things like leg braces and wheelchairs, right? Because it's restraint. It's another form of bondage. And I can wrap my head around that. Ooh, I never I, thought of that. Yeah, I actually I, didn't either. I cannot wrap my head around someone just wanting to look at me wearing leg braces just because I am wearing leg braces or someone wanting alone time with my wheelchair. I'm calling purple. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's, that's our new safe word, purple. Oh, just so you purple. Know. <laughs> oh, it's so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> well, because, because Rara's favorite color is pink and because the podcast is pink kink, we decided that pink would be like our version of green. And so the opposite of pink is purple. So yeah. Yeah. Like I've always sort of been put off by people who sort of look to people with disabilities as like inspirational porn, right? Because what the average person may see as, oh my God, you're achieving so much. In my brain, I'm not going to speak for the entire disabled community. Obviously, I have never done enough um, because, you know, having the ADHD and the autism, like, 
I see life differently and I always have. So my disability to me is just, oh, it's another day, right? I have to get through this. Yes, I will occasionally have my 10-minute pity parties, but I don't process things like that in the same way a neurotypical person might. I'm very factual. I'm very realistic. This is the situation I'm in. I have to do this to try and get it. It may not change, but this is the path I have to take. Okay. So I guess slight devil's advocate question here. On the Mm -hmm. other side of that, have you ever used it and been with a person that has that fetish? Have you ever used it to your advantage in some way? I've never been with someone with that fetish. Okay. Uh, right. Just because so when you when you see somebody with that, you just kind of go, nope. Oh yeah, 100%. I avoid. It's okay. actually like the only thing in in sort of not like mainstream ish kink that has ever made me really really uncomfortable. Okay. Now, so you talked about the fact that you had to relearn how to use whips, mm-hmm. and I I'm getting this mental image in my head, and it's actually really cool because I'm just picturing you. This badass is still in a in a wheelchair with the whips. I mean, I, I'm one of those bottoms who loves whips. So, and I yeah. know the skill set involved in using them, and that's with people who can stand. So, I, I I'm picturing you in a wheelchair. This absolute badass. What other things did you have to relearn how to do to accommodate? It's really kind of funny because the throwing whips wasn't even the hot the the silly part was that I was throwing whips by, you know, I have a pillow masking tape to something in my house. So I was hitting that <laughs> completely negated the fact that the height of the person I would be, you know, doing impact on would be different, right? So there's me practicing all these whips and everything on this pillow at my height and a comfortable height. And then oh. you go to a dungeon and of course, St. Andrew's Cross or a spanking bench mm-hmm. They're the wrong angle. They're the wrong height. <laughs> it's like I did all this work. Oh no! And it's <laughs> for nothing. <laughs> like, oh, oh god! Because it's it's more of an upward angle instead yeah, of a yeah. straight across. Oh, it no. hadn't clicked in my head at that time. So yeah, it was funny. Uh, the first scene I did, I had a, one of my. Um, sort of long-term subbies on his knees in front of me. Now, obviously, the majority of people can't do that. It's uncomfortable. Everyone's got bad knees, pretty much, at our age. Mm-hmm. And he did it, and he had fun. But, you know, even things like that took a lot of adapting. It was very, very hard to do those scenes from my wheelchair. Now, I did get a sort of bar stool that I would use sometimes if I wanted to do whips, at home. I could never do that at the dungeon, obviously, because I can't just be, bring a bar stool to the dungeon. That would be really weird. <laughs> <laughs> and I did, honestly, I found it very off-putting as a top. Now, I'm also a masochist. Uh, for me, pain is a distraction. You know, it was really funny. There's a, another local dom here who I, who I will co-top with a lot, and I will trust him to give pain sessions. Um, and there was one day I was having really, really bad muscle spasms. So for me, pain that I can control is a distraction to my real life pain. And I'm sure a lot of other chronic pain people can sort of say they find similar. Yeah, I actually had, um, I have kidney issues. And so I was um, dealing with those and was in a lot of pain. And at the same time, a new toy that I had just ordered arrived. And so I was sitting on my sofa, I opened up the toy, and instead of bringing it down to the dungeon, I kept it with me on the sofa for like a week. And I would just find myself absentmindedly 
It was, it was a paddle absentmindedly just like smacking my thighs. And I didn't even realize I was mm. doing it to distract from the kidney pain. Yeah. I, I'm also in a similar situation. I have arthritis in my knees as well. Really bad, both knees. Yeah. I'm missing cartilage. I have arthritis. I've got, what do you call it? Stuff, uh, uh, little spiky bits uh, in my knees. And I realized recently that that's one of the reasons that I love doing electro so much and I do it so often yeah. because it totally distracts me. And I can feel when I'm doing it to somebody else, I can feel it in my hands. I So it distracts me from my chronic pain because my knees, I'm always in pain. So yeah. yeah. So we were at the dungeon and I was in my chair and I'm having spasms. So my legs, you know, I could stand up and walk a little bit, but my legs were just not having it. So anyway, he gets me out of the chair. He throws me on the kneeling bench because, you know, the horse-style spanking benches are not accessible to someone who's not very stable or doesn't have core strength. And uh, we realize there's no way I'm staying on it. Like, I'm going to have a muscle spasm. So we start. He has to tie me to the bench in order to do anything. And he, as a able-bodied cis white man was like i don't know whether this is me being inclusive or ableist because i am (laughs) (laughs) like tying down a chick to a spanking bench pulling her out of a wheelchair tying her in place so i can beat her and i'm just like stop overthinking and just get to it because i need this (laughs) oh (laughs) so so there's a lot of other people have to make accommodations as well. Like you said, the sub that had to kneel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Now, a lot of it comes with communications. And I honestly think I have it fairly easy as a dominant, right? I feel for bottoms with disabilities. Now, I multiple of my play partners have health issues that we have to make some sort of mitigation things for, which is no issue to me. I've grown up having to do that for myself my entire life. But I know of bottoms or submissives that really do struggle trying to find a person to play with them because they're they're seen as, well, honestly, the bottoms and the submissives often see their bodies as a burden. I know I do sometimes with my disabilities. So they perhaps don't have the confidence and the tops or dominance don't have the like the knowledge that that person has a disability to pull that information out of them to make the play happen. There seems to be like a gap in communication somewhere between the bottoms and the tops, right? So maybe a bottom wants a rope scene, but they have arthritis. So like, oh, I can't do that. Maybe, maybe like you, they've got bad knees. But if they went and actually talked to a rope top and were like, hey, I would love to do this. However, I do have some issues with my knees. Is this still something I can do? Then they might find that there are ways. Now, of course, there are tops and uh, dominance who will be like, uh, you know, I'm, it's not really my thing or I don't know enough about it and maybe they're not confident in their own abilities. But if you look for the people who are regularly at your events, um, at wherever you play, you'll find someone who will. And, and actually, just to go off on your example, I did find someone that could do a rope scene with me with my issues with my knees. And believe it or not, I also have the same issue with my wrists, just not as bad. Yeah. My wrists actually pop out of joint. I've broken them so many times. The ligaments, they're just, they're bad. So my wrist, I could turn the page of a book and it'll pop out of the joint. And I have to put it back. And yeah. a friend of ours does rope. And I asked her specifically because I trusted her. 
And she goes, oh, yeah, I can absolutely do rope and make it so those issues are not a problem. So they're out there. They can do it. Yeah. You have to get comfortable with yourself and communicating in a really blunt way. Now, for me, being neurodivergent, that to me is easy. And that's the only way I can really communicate. And everyone I play with understands that I really do need blunt and brutal communication. I am great at reading your body, your body language and things like that. Um, but you have to be verbally very direct with me to be able to pick up on things. Now, so you mentioned being at the public dungeon. I don't know how many different public dungeons you've been to, but do you find them relatively accessible or not at all? It varies. A lot of the places I've been actually haven't had public dungeons. Um, I'm trying to think, what would it be? 1763 here in Atlanta is pretty good. They could do with more than one parking spot, though, for disabled people. Just saying. Oh, yeah. Um, they are pretty good. I get frustrated, as I'm sure a lot of people are, at the sort of lack of mask policy with COVID. Um, because being in Georgia, the vaccination rate is very low, regardless of where you stand politically. It doesn't matter. The vaccination rate here is very low, and most people don't wear masks. Because of that, people with immune problems like myself, we've been trapped in our homes for 20 months. So the dungeon was like one of those few safe places. They did mandate masks at the beginning. They did mandate social distancing. And, you know, we, we keep distance when we're playing. There's automatically at least that kind of six-foot gap between you and people so it was kind of like the safest outlet that a lot of us had during COVID. And for me, it was the only place I was able to go to that felt safe. Obviously, as time gone on, has gone on, those mandates have been lifted. Those user capacities have been lifted, you know. But obviously, I understand a business has to survive. But at the same time, it's kind of frustrating from that point of view. Yeah, like, understandable. Yeah, yeah, it gets frustrating. But no, 1763 is very good. In England, not so much, but that's England because it's old buildings. So we have these protected or listed buildings that can't change it. Um, when I last flew back to England just before the pandemic, I went to um, Bristol Fetish Market again, and I knew it wasn't wheelchair accessible, but those boys came outside and they carried me up those stairs <laughs> in my chair. So, you know, in England, it's we, we have this kind of just let's do it attitude, right? So if you are in a wheelchair for the most part, and you show up at an event, a team of strong guys will probably come out and maybe a very cute lesbian and carry you up those stairs. <laughs> that seems like a plus. Venue. Right, yeah. Especially as uh, the fetish markets are often at gay clubs. Now, um, what about home dungeons being accessible, inaccessible? I mean, I've actually had, so my dungeon is in my house in my basement. Mm -hmm. I've had both the ability to be accessible and not accessible at the same time. I had Somebody reached out to me, wanted to come to uh, an event at my house who was blind. And I had grave concerns because the space isn't very big. It gets very crowded. And I was really honestly worried from a safety standpoint of them being able to move around the space without accidentally getting into scenes. There's whips in here. Yeah. I've seen, well, really long floggers. I've seen somebody whip. More dragon tails. We don't really have the space to do, well, yeah, not like to a do full, single full whip. Right. I mean, we've done single tail occasionally, but we make an effort to really clean out, clear out the space. But I was honestly very concerned. And yet then I also had, I also used to teach pre-COVID. We had classes here and we did a rope class. And I had a woman reach out to me who expressed that she, uh, she did not have legs. She had artificial legs mm -hmm. but they didn't move as well and of course my as i said it's downstairs 
And she was like, no problem. She took off the, she, she went down the stairs on her butt to get downstairs and she was fine. It was, it was amazing. I mean, okay. That's badass. Well, yeah, it was, it was very cool. thing for, for her. That's what she has to do. Like I, you know, when you have these things, and I understand your hesitation with someone who's blind because I can't imagine what it is like being blind. But often if you have these conversations, okay, I would love to have you visit my dungeon. However, these are things I need you to consider. A, there are stairs. B, I'm concerned about whips. You can't obviously see those. Your cane isn't going to pick it up. How do you deal with situations like that? And you may find she might come back and be like, oh, well, actually, I can I can hear them. I pay attention to kind of that. I can tune out the background noise. You know, a lot of people, we joke about mom hearing, right, where they can tune out their kids. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, same thing for people with disabilities. You know, having these conversations with people, listing your concerns, and then it gives them a chance to think about how they might be able to man- manage that event. Because for me... I want to know all of these potential issues before I go so I can sort of mentally prepare myself for, okay, I'm going to have to do this to get to there. And I have to understand that there is this barrier for me to do that. But what if, what if the host says, you know, it's my house. I'm sorry. I'm not comfortable. I mean, it's not the, you know, we would have people with disabilities have had that all their life. Like we're used to it. It's going to suck, but we do understand for the most part. Again, I can't speak for everyone. And it can be frustrating. But I think we understand with something like kink and where we're going to someone's home, there can be hesitation. Now, what I would suggest is if you are saying no, then maybe you try and rethink that and be like, is there someone that you tend to bring to these events? Because I'm concerned about X, Y, and Z. And see if you can make a compromise in the middle that you are both comfortable with, rather than just straight up excluding someone. Yeah, that was the problem that I went, ran into with the blind individual. I expressed my concerns. And instead of using language like you just expressed with, well, I can hear, I can, you know, all of that. They were just like, it'll be fine. I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that that wasn't enough for me okay. to make me feel comfortable. So if you ever end up in that situation again, here's what I'm going to say. A lot of the time we're so used to being dismissed that people can get really sort of defensive back. And when we as humans are defensive, we're short, sharp, and to the point. I'll be fine. We don't, we're not used to having to explain to people. We're not used to having to explain why we'll be fine. So simply just come back with, how do you think you would manage in this situation? Because this is the situation that I'm kind of concerned about and I want to make sure you're safe. So excellent advice. Yeah, that's actually really great. So just instead of being like, okay, I am done with your rudeness because it's a defense mechanism mm-hmm. instead, just say, Hey, here's the actual situation. So in your case, yep. you said that sometimes you're in a chair. Yeah. Um, my concern with that is I work with electro. Sometimes the, the field, sometimes I've got a person on my table who's electrified and people accidentally or not so accidentally bump into it. <laughs> I, I have huge concerns with a wheelchair made out of metal <laughs> coming near that. <laughs> yeah. Just be like, Hey, like, holy shit. <laughs> unless, unless you want to zap the butt. I mean, to be honest, we've got rubber tires and everything. So the likelihood of that is very slim. Just warn the person in the chair. The same as you would warn someone on crutches. The same as you would just warn someone. 
Like if someone was getting close, you'd be like, you'd probably have someone beside you. Hey, don't get close. Otherwise you're going to get electrified. It's the same with someone in a wheelchair. It's the same with someone on crutches. Same with someone in a leg brace. The same as someone with absolutely zero mobility aids. People overthink communication because we get so caught up on being politically correct around someone with disabilities. The reality is we're so used to being blunt and upfront and direct with our medical team and our close friends. So that's how we prefer it. All right. That is excellent advice. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the whole things I think. So sometimes for those of us who are abled, we almost get nervous to ask because we don't Mm -hmm. want to insult somebody. We don't want to question your abilities or your knowledge or your skills. Capabilities. Or your capabilities, really. Even, yeah. And it's, it's... it's like that awkward thing where I'm, I'm worried, but I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, being, what's the word? Um, not, overthinking? Not even overthinking. Um, ableist or, mm-hmm. yeah, that's or prejudice button. or prejudice, you know, it, it comes from a place of legitimate, sincere concern. Because it, in the instance of the blind person too, I'm not just worried about their safety. What about the safety of the other party guests? I mean, if there's, if we're in the middle of a scene and this person walks through, not only is there the risk of their getting hurt, there's the risk of something happening where the bottom gets hurt or whatever. So it's my, my worries are for everybody who's there. And here's the other question. Someone whose disability is not as visible as say when you were in a chair, Mm -hmm. do you tell everybody, Hey, we have a guest that has this disability or do you just, because they, it's private sometimes. Um, Leave it up to the person. Um, I don't think, like, unless it's like a peanut allergy and you're serving peanuts and people are bringing their own food, I, I don't know why a disability would need to be announced to everyone. Um, you know, even when I'm not in my chair, you know, there's a toll to everything I do. Uh, and I tell people, I'm like, look, I will, sometimes when I go to the dungeon, I might have three to five scenes in a night. Now, usually uh, adrenaline can sort of take me through the night, but the next day, I'm probably going to be in pain if I do that many scenes, depending on what type of scenes they are. I tell every single person I play with that while I'm aiming to do a scene, if I pull or dislocate something because I have EDS, I may not be able to do your scene. But they all come into that knowing it up front. But do I announce it to the whole dungeon that I'm wobbly and might dislocate things? Mm -mm, Doesn't concern them. Do you find certain pieces of equipment are more accessible or less accessible for you when when you plan your scenes? Yeah. Uh, Actually, not just for me, but for partners, submissive partners who uh, have issues as well. Like, you know, these sort of sawhorse spanking benches that dungeons have, you know, where it's like one in the middle and then two kneeling benches either side for you to sort of straddle those kind of spanking benches. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, those just are not comfortable because the the center pole that you lie your torso on is so thin and everything. So anyone with like back problems or anything like that, they can't get comfortable. Whereas those big, hefty sort of kneeling spanking benches seem to be much more accessible to people with uh, disabilities. And most dungeons only have like one of them and they'll have like 10 of the other type that just aren't comfortable for people with disabilities. Um Again, St. Andrew's Cross, people who can't stand for very long. It's the hottest piece of equipment. Like, uh, I pr- like to start people on the cross, but then I will like to put them on a kneeling bench after because they like it. The, the balancing act of playing with someone with disabilities is keeping the theater of kink real, right? So 
you want it to flow seamlessly without them realizing that you're making changes for their disability, without them realizing you are adapting play for their disability. Mm -hmm. In that moment, they want to feel sort of free from it. A lot of, and we discussed this earlier, a lot of people use pain to escape pain which I, I know is weird, but it's it works. It's a distraction. Yeah, it makes sense. It's controlling <laughs> I think it. We need to do an, I think we need to do an episode on that one. We need to find an expert on Escaping that. Escaping the pain? Escaping pain. the pain through pain. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it. yeah we're going to need like a shrink and a doctor and Yeah, you should. It would be really interesting. Ooh. We have a kinky PT. All right, we'll figure it out. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's keeping everything alive without fussing but still managing to communicate clearly enough to do a scene or a dynamic or whatever it is within the needs of each partner. Wonderful. All right. Well, I think uh, our time is just about up. Is there any last messages you would like to, any points you'd like to get across that we might have not covered yet? Uh, people with disabilities and those negotiating, be really clear and concise. So if you are thinking of playing with a bottom or a top who has something ask them what they might need on an average day ask them what they might need extra on a bad day have all that information so you can start thinking of ways to work around it if that happens if you are tying someone or doing impact with someone with joint problems understand that what that was good five minutes ago may not be good now regular check-ins have beyond a normal safe word have your red obviously your traffic light system but also have others for maybe like blue or allow plain speak. Hey, my knee hurts a little bit. Is there any way I can be shifted a little to the left? Is there any way I can go on the cross? This hurts. Things like that. Have plan B and plan C, essentially. I, I love it. having plan B and C. <laughs> You're speaking my language. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Kitty. This has been, I know it's been an eye-opener for me. Absolutely. And I, I love it. Is there a, a way folks can reach out if they have any more questions? Um, I can open my DMs on TikTok, which is Miss Kitty Lash, and they're there. Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you again. It is greatly appreciated. You're very welcome. And anytime you just want to record anything with just having your accent, like you can just read me a story and that would be great. Okay. <laughs> I do that for people, you know. Oh, well, you really? shouldn't have told her that. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I, got, I got a little wiggly. <laughs> Bedtime stories with Kitty. <laughs> oh my God, you should see her face right now. <laughs> She's so excited. Oh. Next time I do a recording, I shall send it your way. Y oh, th yes, thank please. you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for hanging out with us today. If you have a question you would like answered or just have a story about the lifestyle you want to share, you can send us a voicemail and maybe it will be shared in a future episode. Just go to pinkkinkpodcast.com to contact us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and FetLife at the handle Pink Kink Podcast. Join our Facebook group, Pink Kink Podcast and hang out with other pink kinksters. If you love what we do and are able to help support us, we are on Patreon. Just look for us on patreon.com slash pinkkinkpodcast. Even if you can't show your support financially, there are other ways you can help. You can spread the word about our kinky podcast and tell your friends about us. 
You can also rate and review Pink Kink on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The five-star reviews really help. Don't forget to subscribe to Pink Kink so you don't miss a minute of the fun. New episodes come out every Friday. So until next time, stay pretty, stay safe, and stay twisted.